What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of What Are We Missing? Josh, man, we got a legend. Yes, we our, do. In our presence, bro. <laughs> a straight legend. Um, it's crazy. I can't believe uh, who we have right now. Probably the best jumper in the history of Grand Rapids. Yeah, I said it. <clears throat> best jumper in the history. <laughs> this person... This person right here. So we all work to the at the crock together, all three of us. Um, and we always play like sevens. Um, the, the game where you shooting threes back to back against other people. She was the only person I never challenged because I knew what it was gonna be. So without further ado, we got Nikki, big Nick Tompkins. How's it going? Hey. What's up, what's up, what's up, fellas? Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. For sure. Yeah, of course. Got we the had to talk. Yes. <laughs> we had to. We kind of talked about this off air, but um, this show is called What Are We Missing? I believe this is our fifth episode. Um, so really the goal of this episode is to talk to, man, the greatest basketball players, minds, coaches that we've had. Um, in this city to learn like man what makes you different what what helps you get to where you were at so um naturally we had to have you on the show because not just as a player you were great but as a trainer and coach um you're amazing too and, and you know mm -hmm. making a great impact on the community so it had to have you. Word. Word. appreciate that appreciate that a lot thank you yeah mm -hmm. for sure um before we get started we want to get into um really the icebreaker the fun part of um the interview so you want to kick it off josh pleasure all right first one favorite pair of jordans man 11s are my favorite number period hey, but hey, the concords concords <laughs> all concords. day had probably like six pair total of those. Man. <laughs> Did you ever play in them? I opened mine. I oh, you do? Mine, so. Okay. Oh, you do? Yeah. Man, yeah. I saw it's been a nice. dream of mine, but I just can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you running on a cloud or something, man. Yeah, you're running on money. Okay. Yeah. I, I gotta take. I gotta take care of mine. <laughs> All right. Um, are you a candy eater? Man, that's next to basketball. That's probably my biggest addiction is, is okay. sugar and yeah. mainly candy. Me too. Um, mm -hmm. Gummies though. Gummy gummies. anything. Gummy bears, gummy worms. Like yeah. man, it's it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah. It's, I really it used to addicting. stay with candy at the crack. I remember yeah. that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know who has you know who has fire gummy bears? Um, Ken's Fruit Market. Really? I, yeah, go to Ken's Fruit Market. They have like a candy, a candy section. Um, yeah. They got regular gummy bears and they got the sour gummy bears. Um, they got it like Ooh. in bulk or whatever. Check it out. Okay. It's fire. Shout out to Marcus. You remember Marcus Chandler? Um, oh, oh that's, man. Yeah. That makes Mark sense. Chan? That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> he, he put me on that. He put me on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on that Friday. Yeah, it's yeah, Friday. Now. Check it out. Let me know. Let me know what you think. Yes, for sure. <laughs> I right, got another one. What's, um, what's some of the shows you're watching right now? What type of stuff you like to watch? Man, it's crazy. Um, 
I have been an HGTV type mm. fixer upper show mm. for the last like three, ever since the pandemic, pretty much. I've just been watching that. Um, I've been a homeowner for a while, but just watching that show kind of inspired me to like, whether it's change a doorknob or uh, refinish my basement or something like that. So I'm really on a lot of HGTV shows and documentary type stuff. Um, besides that, I'm watching sports this the season. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's all I'm on. I'm on that real, real stuff. Not the reality, but the yeah, real stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. all I'm watching right now. Something that's sure. productive. Yeah, life, I feel you. you know? I feel you. Absolutely. Yeah. That's my wife, man. She she loves the HG, HGTV stuff. Oh, yeah. That's she put me on wife. it, too. <laughs> no? <laughs> yeah, heck yeah. Man. All right, so speaking of sports, um, it's hoop season. So are you a person that loves to watch college or pro? Are you a college or pro person? Man, I love college. I love watching the college game. It's the, the kids are young. They're still learning. Yeah. They're raw. They're having fun still because it's not a business. So just watching the right. college game just gets me excited every I time. I, I do watch NBA mm-hmm. uh, for the fun of it, but um, college is where it's at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you catch the uh, state game today? Man, I was at work. Uh, <laughs> I was at work, but I did see the highlight, you know, 616, Marky B. Hey. Alley oop for the dub. Yeah. I love it. I was love proud. It. I was really proud. Yeah. I, th- I think he, I think he might get drafted. I think he's got a chance. Yeah. He can. He can. Even though he's playing out of position. Mm-hmm. When he goes to those workouts and can show that he can play on the wing like that and shoot the ball. Yeah. Um, I think he has a very good chance of getting drafted. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think he has and he could still utilize that extra year. Um, oh, yeah. Sure. Year yeah. As well. Crazy. So yeah. he has options. Yeah. yeah, he does. Um, I think he had like seven blocks today, something like that. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he's, the game winner? He's killing right now. And I think That's he has crazy. double digit scoring in every all five games this year, too. So I love that. I love yeah. that. He's doing it. Yeah. Definitely representing it. Yeah. We. I, Last one. You got Thanksgiving on the way. Build your ideal plate. <laughs> Man, so um, if my mom is cooking, I'm definitely getting some of her turkey because it's always nice and juicy and she got the nice gravy to go with it. Gotta have some yams. Gotta have mm-hmm. some collard greens. Plenty of those. And then probably some potato salad. She, she makes some really good potato salad. And um, some dressing. I, I only if it's some cranberry sauce. I gotta put the dressing on there. <laughs> she, <laughs> she usually throws a little meat in the dressing too with the cranberry cranberry sauce. There is not an open spot on my plate Thanksgiving time. And yeah. I finish it off with sweet potato pie. And I, I don't slice mine. I just take the whole pie, get a fork, and yeah, that's me. Oh <laughs> man, <laughs> go to work. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's, it gets real. <laughs> Not playing over yeah. there. Oh man. <laughs> so I'm a um, I might be in a minority, but I can do without turkey, and okay. I'm all okay. I'm all sides. Like, yes, I'll have a maybe a slab of it, but man, my 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 plate is mostly turkey, or my plate is mostly sides for sure. Okay, so, okay, yeah. I, I feel you. I feel you yeah. on that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. Um, first we wanted to talk about um Big Nick LLC. 
Um, you got the hoodie on right now. Mm-hmm. It's yes, dope. Sir. Yes, sir. So, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Talk to us about how, you know, that idea came about and, um, you know, how, yeah. how it was birthed. Yeah. So um, it started in, in college, uh, probably my sophomore year in college. And I played center. A lot of people don't know I played center in college. Five nine, barely grazing five ten. So I'm playing against these girls that are six three, six four every night um, on the court. And uh, so every time I'm playing them, I mean, you know, I'm having a lot of success playing to these girls bigger than me. So I trash talk a little on the court. So I, you know, every time I'm scoring, I'm telling them, "Hey, get big, get big." You know, what I'm saying I'm big out here type thing. So obviously, my name is Nikki. So the big in the Nick, but. The big didn't come from size, obviously, because I was shorter. It was more about my heart and my passion. So that's how the big Nick was birthed in a basketball sense. So um, during the pandemic, you know, you have your, we had so much time to think. It just translated to how I could bring that to community and do a lot of community engagement. So all my life, I've always found a way to give back, whether it was, you know, helping you know, I've taken off my socks one time and gave it to a kid in the middle of winter because he showed up at the after school program without socks on or giving Thanksgiving baskets, just did some of those last night, Christmas basket, whatever, just anything that I can come back in the community and give is just like doing it big. I'm passionate about my community. And so that was the birth of Big Nick, you know, turned it into an LLC. And I really didn't have a brand for it. Actually, um, one of the kids that I trained that you know very well that you also coach. Brady Titus, uh, oh. I was training him, and one day his dad came in, which he he helped with one of the logos. I have two logos, mm-hmm. um, and he helped with one of the logos. He came to pick Brady up from training one day. He was like, Nick, here you go. I got something for you. He threw it to me. He had put my logo on a T-shirt, and I'm like, what? I was like, yo, this is, this is dope. It was just a T-shirt, but it had the big Nick on it, and it, it was it's just, man, it was so cool. So I I just wore it a few times working out. People were like, yo, what is that? So once I got to tell my story, they were just like excited about it. I was like, yo, how can I get one of those? So I just had Brady just kind of pumping them out. Brady's dad pumping them out for me. And that was kind of the birth of the brand from just the vision of it. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Ted, man. Man, Ted is the man. He's a yeah. good dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man. So what's your, who your target audience like, you know, with your, um, you know, with your LLC? Yeah, well, initially it started out um, for like at-risk community, kind of where I grew up, where I felt the biggest need to do it big at, which is my slogan, by the way, to do it big is, Mm. it's big. Anything that you're passionate about um, can be doing big. So my doing it big in the community can be different than somebody else who is passionate about art or cooking or painting you know so it was initially that I'm going to community and I'm gonna get all these kids who don't think that they can make it out um and and tell them my story and let them know that they can you know I never thought I would go to college I never thought I would play you know all over the world or something like that so I was going to target them at first but once I started telling my story to everybody this can translate to any audience any age the youngest age all the way up to the oldest age because my do it big going to the gym could be someone who lives in a nursing home where they get up every morning and maybe their goal is to walk all the way through the trail without stopping. So mm-hmm. they're doing it big in that way. So the, the audience is everybody who has a passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so what have what has been some you know cool things that you've been doing thus far or recently um, through Big Nick? Man, well, <laughs> what was cool is uh, because I grew up on the southeast side of Grand Rapids and uh, Baxter Community Center was right down the street. So that's where I got meals. That's where I went to the dentist, the doctor, and all that. So um, the director from Baxter actually reached out to me. He was like, "Hey, we're starting this after-school program, and you're the first person we thought of to do." clinics down there, um, basketball clinics. I'm like, what? This is where Baxter was an outdoor park when I grew up. And then I, when I was working for the city of Grand Rapids, they demolished the park and turned it to an indoor gym. And so for half of the summer, we didn't have hoops. We just had this indoor place. We played dodgeball, whatever. And then finally, um, Dick DeVos donated two hoops from the Orlando Magic practice facility. So we got to watch them use this crane to bring this two-ton hoops in there inside the gym. <laughs> and once everything got settled, I told everybody, hey, everybody, let's, let's stand over in the corner. I got a basketball and went to shoot the first hoop. <laughs> and then I wanted to be the first one to break it in. I'm like, this is my gym. This is my area. So I got to shoot the first hoop. So when she asked me to come back and do a clinic where I honed my own basketball skills. It was so amazing. Um, these kids, like I had to pull over and call my mom after the first day. Cause these kids were like, so happy to have this opportunity. They were like, big Nick, big Nick everywhere. They were just saying big Nick and this little girl, I gave her a shirt the other day. She just came. She was like, big Nick, I'm so happy. I came. I didn't even want to do this today. I'm so happy that I came. So I'm pulling over, I'm calling, mom, guess what just happened? I just had this amazing amount of joy with these. It was like 16 kids the first day. Nothing this year has topped that moment. It was awesome. All the other stuff that I did was cool, but that right there, just coming back and giving back to the neighborhood that I grew up in and for them to just receive me like that, love, love, love. Absolutely. That's, That's amazing. All about. <laughs> yeah, amazing how it goes full circle like that. Uh, yeah, you don't know who the next Nikki is gonna be uh, because of that. Right. So, exactly. yeah, looking forward to seeing who that is for sure. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, you're talking about you know Baxter and stuff. Um, and shout out Baxter, I used to work there. So um, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, but where, when, how did you get your um your start in hooping? So, you know, you said you, you t- um, honed your skills at Baxter, but, you know, when did you start? Mm-hmm. So, um, well, we live right down the street from Baxter. So near the Baxter and Fuller area, Bemis and Fuller and all that. So we had three parks that we mainly hit every week, um, Martin Luther King Park and Baxter Community Center. And then when we had a ride or uh, had a bike or a bus, then we would hit Michigan and Fuller Park. Mm-hmm. So... We made our rounds there every day I was at a park. So obviously I was the only girl. Um, so I was always playing with the guys. So of course, guys are not going to respect when a female or a girl at the time I was young, if I'm in the court, they're not going to pass me the ball. So that's how I became, I think that helped with my athleticism. I knew that I had to get a steal or a rebound or something like that to be able to touch the ball. And so if I would make something out of either of those, then that's how I would gain the respect. So all it took was a few months and they saw the consistency in me. So then they were like, hit me up like, hey, Nikki, you know, come and knocking on the door. 
we're hitting the park, come with us, you know, let's go run. So those three parks really, uh, mainly MLK because it was always more people there. Baxter only had one full court. So we knew if we went to King, we could play, you know, have a court here, have a court there, switch winners and losers. So I had a chance to play against um, more people up there. So that was an everyday thing. That's, I grew up in the hood. I, I didn't move out the hood till like 12 years ago. So wow, that was, that was home for me. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I might be crazy, but are days like that anymore? Like I'll drive through parks, man. I don't really be seeing people hooping like that anymore kids really not even close not even close to the same it's you know the kids are oh it's too hot or um i only can play indoors or i'm gonna play this video game or on social media um it is taken so much away from from kids that i you know even i see them train you know they're they're lacking so much uh, because they're missing out on just the basic stuff that's how i got good at my game just by going to the park every day. I didn't have the greatest shot, but you know, everything else I got just from playing experience, like I said, rebounding and, and being able to anticipate passes and get a steal because I knew that was the only way I could get the ball. So you have to keep doing stuff over and over to learn more about it. Yeah. No. Yeah. I just let me I just want to ask you this one thing because you said something that was like real interesting. And we will get back on track with your story too. But I, I just want to know what you think. So when, we, when me and Wes was in high school, middle school, there was no like social media or anything. So I feel like we was like the last generation that you hear somebody's name and you're like, oh, I never, I never even seen them play. I heard about them, you know, and, but now with social media and stuff, like you said, in video games, like kids just want to like stay inside, just like want to watch highlights, and, like don't actually want to put in work. You think that's like been a, a hindrance absolutely absolutely yeah. i i even it's crazy now because i even incorporate that in workouts for the kids mm. because i know that it's a thing now so you almost have to adjust because they're not going to stop doing it so i may a lot of times when i do a training session and i know we didn't get to everything we needed to i'll get kids homework I'm like, okay, for example, you need to get stronger. So I'm, I'm going to need three sets of 20 push-ups before you go to bed tonight. I said, you can even turn on your Netflix or your YouTube or whatever you watch, sit it down on the floor, hit your 20 push-ups. That way you don't lose what you think is way more important. And then you're gaining some strength. So yeah, it, it is a major hindrance, but they don't see it. And so that's oh. why I have to incorporate. You kind of have to adjust with the times, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, but definitely they're missing out on a lot. Absolutely. And that's Dang. a smart, smart thing that you, you, you're doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause it kind of helps them feel like they still have like control over what they're doing. In, in time. Sounds mm -hmm. like you were, sounds like you, you worked at Wedgwood before. But no, yes, yeah, staying on the topic of like social media, YouTube, and, and you know, kids have so much access to information. Um, you know, all of these, you know, famous kids that you know have a huge following. They're posting their workouts, their full workouts on YouTube. Like we yeah. can see it. Yeah. You're, right. you're watching it, mm -hmm. but you're not doing it. 
Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's where that's what we're missing there. It's it's yeah. just crazy. Like, yeah, you're like, yeah, I want to go D one. Yeah, I want to go to the pros. This kid is ranked what top five, ten, whatever in the nation. And yeah. you're seeing his workouts. You're seeing what he's doing, but you're not matching that. Nah, it it, it, it doesn't exactly. add up. You know. Yeah. So. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy, but yeah. Back to your story though. Um. So early on, you know, who, who were some people that you looked up to, um, or that made an impact on you when it came to basketball? And my my big brother, man. A lot a lot of people don't know him. Uh, his name is Ronnie Tompkins. He's my only brother. He's six nine, left handed, freak athlete, just dominated. So he he spent his first two years of high school in Grand Rapids. He got cut from Crescent his sophomore year. So he was so big, <laughs> my mom couldn't afford him anymore. So she sent him to Lansing to move uh, to live with her sister. So he ended up going to Lansing Sexton High School for his last two years. Just a dominant dude, didn't have great grades, but he was so athletic and man, he was just a beast in my eyes. And this is who I saw every day, you know, play high school ball. And we were going to his games and it was just, the crowd was just going crazy when he would get a rebound or a dunk or something. So I always looked up to him. I mean, he's the only reason that I went and played pro ball overseas because he had already experienced it. Hey, sis, you can do this. So he was my biggest influence um, as far as like person that I knew. And then I was super influenced by Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley, Barkley those two of my favorite athletes ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so yeah obviously we know mike um charles was a dog too <laughs> but, yeah for sure for sure that was a little little bit before like obviously i know who those guys were and i remember mm-hmm. watching them as a kid kind of but i didn't really get like the full context as oh, like, the yeah. same context as i did like in the early 2000s even the late nineties a little bit. Um, but yeah. 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 So what, what actually, how does your, your brother, did he end up like continuing to play or did he just play, play in high school? He did. No, he played, he, um, he played high school. And like I said, he didn't have grades. So he went to Mott community college um, okay. right away. And then he played there two years and he went on and played at Fort Hayes State. No, he put it, went to Kellogg after my Kellogg Community College and he went to Fort Hayes State in Kansas. Got all the accolades and everything. And so he he went overseas initially. He played so many years in South America. Um, he actually has two children in South America. Um, and then he, he got a shot. He came back and he played for Grand Rapids Hoops. Uh, they were in the CBA at the time all-star starter I mean dominated he played with um uh like Reggie Jordan the Thomas twins um Dwayne Washington senior all those guys were dominating the whole CBA and he (laughs) yeah this girl that girl kind of uh got him off the sidetrack um so he got sidetracked with that um but he did so well um the Pistons he had all these NBA teams I wish I had the articles with like NBA call very soon for Tampa. So he went training camp with uh, Detroit Pistons, dominated training camp. We're like, oh my gosh, he's a, this was the first year of the Palace, I think. 
that they had. So he made it all the way through training camp, last day of training camp, drug test, failed. Failed the drug test, right? So he comes back home, he just goes back overseas, and he never was able to shake his habit. Mm-hmm. Never was able to shake his habits. And that actually um, ultimately took his life. Um, he ended up passing away um, a heart attack. Um, okay. So he had the two kids. He was actually about to retire. He was coming home to kind of set up shop, get the house. And he he didn't make it. He had a layover in New York and never woke up. Um, went to sleep, never woke up. Man. And so that's how we lost him. So uh, we're actually right now been in contact with his oldest daughter in South America. She's going to come and visit us um, for the first time. So, oh, that's cool. Um, that's, that's real cool. Yeah, it turned out to be uh, really awesome because uh, we got some kids, some really nice uh, kids out of it. And they, they're excited to come to America. But um, he yeah. still was, he was still my guy, no matter any stumblings he made i still looked up to him he could do no wrong in my eyes and he still mm-hmm. beast in my eyes so yeah long live ronnie Tompkins. man that. yes long live for sure great story yeah for real so you know you were you know talking about your your older brother how was how was hoops you know back in the city like when you was coming up man hoops was so Pretty and aggressive and mm-hmm. right up my alley. I think that <laughs> is <laughs> where I got my game from. I just there was no finesse players growing up mm-hmm. that I can remember. I don't I don't remember any. It was just all downhill. You get the ball, you're being aggressive, going to the basket, you're taking all these hard fouls. You're not calling them. You're just playing through them because just the mindset. You know, I'm in to get a bucket. I'm not a whiner. Um, nothing like even me they're like no nah, we're not giving you know i don't care if you're a girl you play like a dude you get the same treatment um so it was man it was it was a, anytime i wanted to play i could pick a place to go um we didn't have a hoop you know at my house we couldn't afford one of those so i always had to go to the park which was good because then i always had somebody to play with uh, so yeah it was it was that greedy basketball none of that that's probably why i didn't know how to shoot or learn how to shoot until after college because I never shot growing up. I was always <laughs> in the hole, banging with people. That's all I knew. So big um, Nick. Yeah, I, uh, wow. <laughs> exactly. That, that was the mini birth. I didn't even know, know about. So, yes. Yeah, so so when did you learn how to shoot? Because your clip is out of this world. After college. That's what's crazy okay. because in high school, obviously, I didn't have to because I would go to the hole. I got a lot of points off of offense for rebounds or fast breaks. And I went to college and <laughs> I was labeled a designated non-dribbler for starters. because They didn't want me to have a ball in the open court because that wasn't my thing. It's like, throw me a long pass, let me catch it. So um, I played the four and the five. So there was no, you got to learn how to shoot because I was productive down there. So once mm-hmm. I did my first WNBA tryout, and got cut I was like oh I do have to have a jump shot now because mm-hmm. I, I'm not down low so overseas you can play any position you can do whatever you can dominate but in the pros you're <laughs> you have to play what they tell you to so at five nine they're like well you're not going to play center in the WNBA you're going to be a guard so you got to shoot so obviously I stunk it up um, I did New York uh, Liberty for my first tryout 
And so I left that, went back overseas, and that's when I started working on my game. So it wasn't until like 1999 that I really, really worked on it because the first inaugural season of WNBA in 97, I had torn my ACL. So I didn't even get to be a part of that. So I spent a year rehabbing, came back, tore the other one, wasn't a part of that. So when I, (laughs) yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. So when I finally, I finished the season over in Switzerland and uh, my, my uh, agent was like, Hey, we got Detroit shot. They need a guard that are you ready? I'm like, bet she had them come to Grand Rapids. So I got my trial at Paul. I, that's wow. my gym. <laughs> Comfort. That's my gym. Wow. So <laughs> I actually was working there. I was work doing some part-time hours there. So they came to the gym. I had been in a gym all day couldn't miss threes they had me going all the way around suicide (laughs) knocking them down so before he even leaves the gym um Tompkins said we want you I was like what hey we want you you're we want you to be a member of Detroit Shock so I'm like okay cool I'll walk them out the door lock up get on the phone like Oh, I'm, in. Oh. I'm going crazy. I'm running all over Paul. I'm the last one in the gym, so I'm going crazy in there. She's like, what? I'm like, I did not miss a shot. I mean, I don't even know if I've ever shot that good in Paul I since, but I made yeah. a team. So I get there. Uh, it was Swing Cash's rookie year, and I, mm. I can't remember how old I was at the time, but I was old, coming off the two knee. Them guards wore me out. <laughs> oh, me trying to come and play a two, and that's not my natural position. I had just learned how to shoot, but playing and guarding twos, even though I was athletic, it, it's different. It's way yeah. different. Um, mm-hmm. So um, I lasted. I had my little two weeks of WNBA. I had an apartment. I had a car that they gave, you know, get your per diem and all that. So I, I felt cool. We got... Um, during that time, the Pistons was in the playoffs against the 76ers. So I got to see Iverson play, you know, uh, Bill Lambeer had gotten us to all the ladies of sweet. You know, we were working out with Ben Wallace and it was, it was, it was a pretty dope experience. I hate that it came so late in my career, but yeah, it, it was dope. It was dope. Yeah, so. Man, that's real. That's real cool. That's real. real. Cool. So you said it was about two weeks. Yeah. About two weeks. Uh, okay no games it was still preseason so I don't have any statistics in the WNBA but I got my little picture in the media guy I got to do media day um the one guy what's the famous guys Bob Becker he had came down to Detroit and did a exclusive on me on media day um it was cool it was so cool at the time though you know I tell this to a lot of people um that's coming up like man you gotta take advantage of these moments I was just feeling like, okay, if I get cut, you know, my agent's going to get me on another team. I can rehab this knee Um, because that's mainly what happened. My knee just started blowing up and swollen and whatever. Mm -hmm. I ended up getting cut, but I was just like, I'm going to get on another team. And I didn't. Mm -hmm. So that kind of was like, Ooh, I got to make sure that I, you know, run that back and let people know taking advantage every moment because I feel like I could have put in way more at the time, but I'm like, they want me, you know, they came to Grand Rapids, they got me, mm-hmm. I'm good to go, but no, nah, don't, don't ever, don't ever get comfortable. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, you can't, you can't, I mean, you've been further than, I don't know what the percentage is, but a lot of people in the world, <laughs> who, who like, who, who want to who, right. you know, so you got it, you, 
know that experience way more than what any of us know yeah. you know so just so try try to explain to them like you know like you said like you have to always be ready and you can't take things for granted like you know if you was if you was talking to like your younger self or like a another a young cooper right now like what would you what would you say to them to like try to get their they mind to understand that man just 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 being excited for the opportunity initially and like i told you guys how excited i was when he said you know you're on the team and I was going crazy and telling my agent all that. I didn't keep that same excitement when mm-hmm. I got to the gym. It was like, oh, you know, I'm here with all these other girls. I'm supposed to be here. Um, and it's not like I coasted through it. It's just not using every opportunity, whether it's to dive for the ball or to, you know, cut harder around the screen or, you know, not leaving the gym without being exhausted. You know, I say that a lot to my kids now too. Why are you leaving if you didn't give everything or what was your reason for not doing your best before you left off the gym today? So it was me thinking back once, you know, I was driving home like, man, you know, I could have did this or I could have did that. So you never want to get caught um, with I could have, would have, should have. So what's missing is, Taking granted, taking that moment for granted, thinking that you always have another opportunity because it's not always like that. You have to use every opportunity. Like this might be my last chance. I better give my all. And that's every time you go in the gym. You can't assume you're going to have another workout, or you can't. You can't assume anything. So you always got to take it like this is. This is. I'm giving everything that I got. As soon as I walk in here, and when I leave out, I'm going to be exhausted. Like okay, I got to go rest up for tomorrow so I can go hard again. Man. That's so good. That's so good. That um, shoulda, coulda, wouldas, that kills man. all of us, man. Former yeah. hoopers, former athletes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I sit up sometimes and just think like, dang, mm-hmm. if I could just go back and just change a couple of things, I just mm-hmm. wonder what would have happened. So that's really the, yeah. another goal of this show is to help minimize a lot of that mm-hmm. um yeah. so you know these these young hoopers out there can learn from your mistakes from my mistakes from josh's mistakes and mm-hmm. anybody else that we have on this show and just like yeah man okay so they did this that didn't work out for them i'm gonna try this so that doesn't happen to me um but that's the 32 year old mind thinking. So, <laughs> right, right, right. You know. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I want to get back to um, so your high, high school. So you get to Creston. Um, so, talk to us about like your freshman year and what your expectations were um, for yourself, you know, going into your first season in high school. You know, I, I, I honestly, I didn't have any, um, I, you know, I was from the inner city. I was going to school all the way out at Creston. I knew a couple of people that went there. So I just knew that I love sports. And so I knew I was raw as well. So I didn't, I wasn't gifted skill wise, but I was very athletic. I was fast. I was strong, um, but I didn't have a skill set. So I was just like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do me. Um, so I wasn't on varsity initially. Um, so they told me, hey, we need you to stay down. I played JV as a freshman. Just learn, learn more about the game. Um, and so halfway through the season, 
you know, they asked, you know, are you, you know, are you ready? And I actually wasn't. And I, I chose not to go up. I waited until districts to go up because I felt like I wasn't going to play a lot. Um, and that was due to lack of confidence. You know, I, I wasn't as confident as I should have been going in. You know, they believed in me, but I didn't know if I was ready. So um, I didn't go up till varsity until um, districts. And then from sophomore on, I played varsity. Um, but then I kind of, I, I learned each year I was, I was like a sponge. Okay. What else do I need to know? Um, and that's when I started making the mental part of the game major for me, because I had all the physical aspects, but people don't understand like having that IQ gives you so much of an advantage. That's why I can still hang with some of the kids that I train as far as, you know, playing one-on-one or two-on-two with them. Like, man, you can't even barely walk. You know, how are you doing? Because it's up here. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm smarter than you. You're faster and stronger, but I'm smarter than you. And they didn't, they don't think that's enough to beat them until, until I release some of this footage. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, yeah, high school was, you know, it started being fun once I started learning the game. It became fun instead of stressful or worried about forgetting stuff because you can make up for it in other areas when you, you know, when you're smart enough to know what to do next. Yeah, for sure. So following up, following up with uh, your comments on the the mental side of the game, what did you do? Um, What did you what kind of work did you put in on that side to help you um, just improve overall? You know, I stuck I stayed at the gym all the time because the boys used to practice after us. So I would I would be at the gym from when we got out of school all the way to the last bus. We used to have a last bus that would leave the school. Um, basically if you missed it or whatever. And I would just stay and just learn. I would, I would watch the coaches, you know, we had pretty good coaches in high school and then the boys did too. So I would just watch and learn. It's just like, man, how is he doing that? How is he doing that? Watch the way the coaches talk to the players, watch how they respond. You know, if it was good or bad, you know, Hey, you go run the bleachers, you know, you're being disrespectful or this stuff like that. Just, I'm a big observer of things. And so that's kind of how I learned by watching and then let that translate you know, to myself. So yeah, that was, that was big for me. For sure. Yeah. Being a sponge. Is that um, like, cause you said the other um, uh, issue or whatever that you had your freshman year was the lack of confidence. Is that what helped you get that confidence to where you like, all right, I can, I can, I can do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like, that's just like life for me. So if I don't know something, then I choose not to do it. So then that means that I'm missing out on something. So it was like, if I, the more that I learn, the more that my game is going to expand. And that's how um, I treat life. If I don't know something, instead of saying, oh, well, I'm not even going to approach that. It's more like, let me learn about it. So then when I'm hit with it, then I already know what's up. So it's like the fear, once I eliminated fear, I became more confident. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I can do this. I can do that if I'm not scared to do it. And that, that's the same thing. That's life right now. You know, I, I was fearful of thinking no one would like the big Nick thing. Like, but I had to eliminate the fear part of it. And for it's like, okay, if I believe in this, and if I model what my vision is, then how can they not like it? You know, so it's almost like anything that you want to accomplish, 
you have to learn about it. You have to read about it. You have to watch others doing what you're doing. With the social media now, you want to learn how to do a move. You can go and find a video for it. Yeah. If you're just saying, hey, next year, I want you to be a better defender. You can go watch some stuff to be a better defender. There's so many mm-hmm. avenues to get where you want to be anywhere in life. There, there's no excuse. There's no excuse to not learn and know stuff. And so that's where you gain your confidence. I, I wasn't a big reader before, but I am now because it's it's mandatory. You have to yeah. learn and know stuff yeah. to get that confidence. So when people hit you with, oh, what about this? Yeah, I read about that. So I know. So it, it's familiar to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that in every, like you said, every aspect of, of life, like even at my job, um, when I'm you know, learning, the more reps I get, the more I learn. So like, like you said, yeah. the more you practice, the more you learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, yeah, getting more and more reps, reps in there. Yeah. Um, so for you in high school, when would you say like, man, it just started to click for you yeah. as far as just like you're hitting the ground running? Yeah, I would say, I would say my junior junior year, um, because I used the freshman year to learn. I used the sophomore year to kind of translate what I learned, and then junior year, I was like, oh, I, you know, I've done this now for two years. What else you got for me? So that's kind of when I settled in. That probably was my best season of high school. I think that's. Uh, I want to say my stats were probably. If they weren't better than my senior, they were very close. That's kind of where I just kind of every game I, I I made an impact. You know, no matter the opponent, I was excited about every game. I was confident every game. You know, I, I like I hated at the time that my coach would hold me accountable for stuff. I was like, well, I'm doing all this. You know, why do you want me to? Do? It makes sense now. You know, because they know it's more in there, and so he was just trying to pull that out of me. And that's what that sophomore year was. So junior year, I I had no problem with anything. It was like that. That was the transition year. Like, you know, I this is mine now. I I can do whatever I want on the court on both yeah. ends. So for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, that reminds me of that I love uh, that movie, Love and Basketball. Um, when when Monica was in college, and she thought her coach hated her. And she says, like, I thought you hated me. You always ride me and stuff like that. And she's like, when I'm not like, I know the the potential you have. And when I'm not riding you, then you should worry. Like, as a kid, I didn't really, I just let that kind of go over my head. But I I probably watched the movie a couple years ago. Um, As an adult, I'm like, dang, there's so much truth in that. It's crazy. It's crazy. So then, you know, from from high school, like talk about from high school to how you got to Central, like what happened, who I was recruiting, like who was recruiting you, things like that. Yeah, so um, in high school, I played AAU in Kalamazoo. Actually, I didn't play in Grand Rapids. It, it wasn't really a team that that I felt comfortable on. It wasn't, you know, good competition. Or, so I went to Kalamazoo, me and a few other girls from Grand Rapids, uh, played on this team called Kazoo AAU. And so we were traveling everywhere playing. I mean, we were all on the east side of the state where the so-called best players were um, just dominating. Um, And then we went to the junior world championships in Russia, Sochi, Russia. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy. Like 1997, you know, I'm, I mean, 1987, I'm flying to Russia, my first flight ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> man, shout out to my coach. He paid for my flight because I, man, we were broke. I I'm, I grew up really <laughs> poor, and so. He, he helped he helped fundraise for me to get over there and took care of me. And so that was like, once we came back from that and won that championship, that's when we started getting calls. Like pretty much every, no, everybody on my team got a D1 offer um, just because we, we dominated. And you know, I don't think there was an EYBL and all that stuff, but as far as the state of Michigan and, and girls basketball hoops, we dominate. So that's how the recruiting came. Like I, I had offers from six big 10 schools. Um, we had, you know, someone to Notre Dame, we, we were all over the place. So I didn't really understand what the recruiting was. So I had home visits. <laughs> Every time people came to the house, my mom would cook full meal. She didn't, we didn't know because my brother didn't really go through this process. So U of M came to the house, we're cooking, she's cooking for them. And CMU comes to the house, Michigan State, all of them, they come in the house, she's cooking for them. So I'm just like, you know, they ask the question, why do you want to go to UVM? And me at the time, um, because the same colors as Creston, I like blue and yellow. You know, I remember that vividly saying that because that was the first question <laughs> the coaches asked me. I'm like, because y'all blue and yellow. Like, um, I like that. <laughs> the state was just too big for me. I, that campus was huge. But once I went to CMU, it was really, really crazy. It just felt really good. It felt genuine. It felt like home. It felt like, okay, if I'm going to be away from my mom, this feels like I'm, I'm going to be all right. And so it came down to CMU and U of M because of those colors, <laughs> really because the colors. And, and I did, the assistant coach was really awesome. She, she really almost like I was right there, but um, I don't know, something about Central just felt like home. So that made me choose that. And all the other schools, like I knew I wasn't going to go that far away from home. I wasn't going to leave the state of Michigan. So all the other offers while they were awesome, I don't even know how many total offers I had, but it was quite a few, but it just, I knew I was going to stay close to home because I was a home fighting still now, but it was, I can't even say the recruiting um, process was amazing because I really didn't know it as much as I know now. I, I would have took more advantage of it. I would have took all of the, um, you get these visits. I would have went all the way yeah. to Cali and Long Beach State and all this stuff. It's like, man, I learned so much later. So I'm hoping that people, young people are really listening um, to this and see what was missing from me as a younger kid and, and take advantage of all these opportunities. But um, it was great. I don't regret my decision at all, you know, with the, the way social media is not, oh, Michigan was big to, I, I didn't even know about that stuff. I just went what, what felt good in my heart and it was awesome too. What's up? Nice. Yeah, that is dope. And you made the, the best decision for you personally. Um, and I think that it's very mature of you um, to do that. And I think probably the average Hooper would probably go to the biggest school. Uh, you know, to, they probably would have selected Michigan or Michigan State just because of the wow factor. Um, yeah. So I think that's that's extremely dope. Um, have you ever got that question? Like, like, what were you thinking? Like, what, no. what was going through your head? No, I haven't actually. Mm. I haven't. Uh, 
that's i mean that's like like what i said though it's like real mature you know and like wise on you because like some cats i can rattle off five names right now where you you look back and it's like they went to the big school and then ended up not even hooping by the time we was done college like yeah. or, or having to leave or because it's just like they get caught up in like oh you know, it's it's the Big Ten, or it's whatever, yeah. and then yeah. it just don't work for them. And it's like they had offers at a school that actually did work for them, and that's where they should have went, you know. But not being mature, so. Yep. Yep. Or they didn't see the court at all. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I remember talking to Kobe Buffkin last year, um, just about his decision going to Michigan obviously um he said something that really resonated with me and I hope that it you know sticks to these kids out here he said I threw the fanboy stuff out the window like my my entire family is Michigan fans but I threw it out the window like I didn't let any emotions you know affect my decision yeah it ended up being Michigan because it was a great fit for me and they showed that they really wanted me and it was a family atmosphere. I said, dang, man, dang. Like I'm a US, yeah. I'm a university of Texas fan. Um, okay. if they would have offered me like in high school, I would have committed like, yep, I'm coming just because you know what I mean? Right. Like, right. Yeah. He, he's so level-headed that he made that type of decision. Um, so, and it seems to be, be working out pretty well for him. He, have you seen like him on TV? Uh, he's looking. <laughs> he's, yeah. man, he's, yeah. he's gaining more and more trust each yeah. game from Jawan. Yeah. I think. Yep. Man, this is he's gonna make an even bigger impact the second half of the season. I think because yeah. he's getting that learning experience now and learning the coach yeah. and all that. So. For sure, for sure. Yep. I, I think that's a good segue. Um, speaking of like freshman year, so let's go into um, Central Michigan. So. I did some research on you. So, okay, um, okay. We do, we do research yeah. on this. So as, <laughs> nice. okay. as of, this was maybe 2018, maybe, um, mm-hmm. the article said you ranked uh, 12th on all-time scoring list with okay. 1,200, okay. 1,258 points, um, 12 mm. points per game, um, you know, as for your career. You shot 54% from the field your entire career and then 10th all-time in rebounds um 7.4 rebounds per game so giving giving you your flowers now that's that's Thank that's you. work that's uh, work man. Man. That's, that's a lot work. of work yeah. <laughs> thank you thank yeah. you because really all of those stats are from just three years of playing wow um, that's crazy i sat the bench as a freshman yeah, I, I, I went in there. You know, it was kind of the same thing as freshman year of high school, not really having expectations because you don't even know what's going on. Same thing for freshman year of college. I was more worried about the academics than the athletics when I went to college uh, my freshman year because same situation, just doing enough to get by in high school and not really giving it my all until the athletic director um, – challenging me my senior high school she's like you know can you even make honor roll I bet you can't even make honor roll and I did it just because she challenged me so it wasn't 
all the other rest of it, I just coasted. And so this, I knew I couldn't coast through any college classes. So end of my first semester freshman year, I had a 1.8 GPA. Man. And that was from trying. <laughs> <laughs> that was from trying, but that was me not knowing how to balance, balance basketball classes, study table, breakfast club, where you got to get up at 6.30 in the morning, work out, traveling, uh, just, you know, trying to have a social life. It was a hot mess. So I thought I was going to be ineligible. Oh, it was a hot mess. Freshman year of college was very nerve wracking because it was scary. Um, So uh, (laughs) after that, you know, I had talks, coach, coach, coaches had my back so much, which was cool. They, they made sure I had tutors. They, they started helping me with um, time management and, Hey, you know what, after practice, you're welcome to stay over here. It's a tutor in this class, blah, blah, blah. So they helped me with that. And so after that, I don't think I had less than a 3.0, any of the semesters made the athletic honor roll, um, stuff like that. So it was, um, it was a very hard transition because the academics was whooping, whooping me. Um, so it was, uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny, but on top of the ac- academics being difficult, I came on a team who uh, went four, I think we had four senior starters. So two of the seniors were in my position. So I was playing post out of high school. And so there was no room for me to, the girl um, who was ahead of me, her name was Sue Nissen, senior. She ended up being the all-time leading scorer at CMU. So oh, wow. I had no chance of getting her any of her minutes. Also had um, Susie Merchant on the team. She played a guard. She's the head coach at Michigan State. State. Wow. Yeah, she was a senior when I was a freshman. So our team was good. We finished 21-8 and eight my freshman year. So there was no minutes for me. But I still was like, I'm still better than, you know, I'm thinking I'm still better than at least four of these girls. Let me come off the bench first. It was, if I would have knew at the time, I would have redshirted that year. But I didn't know. I didn't know a lot. I was just hooping. I knew I loved the game. And I kind of let that carry me uh, for basketball. So my sophomore year, after I worked my butt off, um, my fresh, the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, oh, work every day I was doing some type of workout whether it was getting in the gym where I was on track I mean I even got on the track I never got in the track (laughs) in high school but that summer between I was like oh no with all these seniors going they don't have to start me or something but guess what I didn't start I didn't start Mm -hmm. the beginning of my sophomore year she kind of put those players who waited for those seniors um, to go in but I dominated them every practice we had to wear the gold jerseys the maroon jerseys had the CMU on the gold, didn't have nothing on the other side. So me and this other freshman class that I came in, which was really good, our goal every day was to make them have to take that maroon jersey and flip it over and we can flip it. <laughs> so by doing that, that made me better. They also made them better. But, you know, halfway through sophomore year, she was like, okay, you know, what? we can't hold you back any longer. You, you deserve to be in the starting line. And it's crazy because I did the same thing. I was like, no, I'm good, coach. I'm good coming off the bench. It was crazy. But this time I legitly was like, no, I'm good. You know, we had a nice flow with our second unit. And I still made all conference. I made second team all conference off the bench my sophomore year in college. So That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty pretty crazy. And that, again, showed your – your maturity 
um you know most would like yeah put me in a starting lineup but mm-hmm. you chose what's best for you and what's best for yeah. the team too um but yeah i did both so i in college i started and came off the bench oh, okay. um i ended up losing my starting spot and that was a huge adjustment for me because i never dealt with that before ever right. um <laughs> so yeah so the rest of that season i was kind of a shell of myself but i went back the next year and it you know my mindset changed because coming off the bench was starting to be cool with like jamal crawford um and lou and lou williams and those guys so um i started kind of watching them and and saw how they operated and then i started to like coming off the bench and i was just because you got the time to like survey the game and um pick pick where like okay I can get my shots there or other teams doing this and that. So and I thought it was a lot, a lot, a lot less pressure too, um, than being in the starting lineup. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Coming off the bench is not bad, youngsters. Not at all. No, no it's not. See the flow of the game. You get to see who you're guarding. It is, it is smooth. I think that was one of the reasons that I chose to you know, just let the flow come in and I just come in and know where I can make the impact out, uh, right yep. away. So. Yeah, no doubt about it. I had to because, you know, talking about coming off the bench, but it's more so just like your mindset because um, I went to two high schools. And so okay. the first high school I went to, like, we was like some dogs. Like, we was one of the best teams in the state and so okay then when I go to the second high school it was like all right the coach is like well we got all these people here who've been here since like seventh eighth grade um, and I was like well that was so what and right. but he, he wanted me to come off the bench and so I was like really messed up um for probably like half of my junior year because I mm. was I was better than um the the guy who was in front of me but what my coach, he started helping me, like, realize was, like, <laughs> I was finishing the games, though. <laughs> and so, you know, right, it, was right. like, it was like I was coming off the bench. But, you know, when, you know, we really, you know, came out of crunch time and we needed a player out there, like, he wasn't he wasn't playing. Like, I was. Yeah. And so it's more so, like, the mindset that you have to have um, because – when you sitting on the bench and then you thinking like, oh, I need to be starting and you get out there, then you're going to mess yourself up because you are pouting or, yeah, like, you know, so yeah, this yeah. got to get your mind right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, For the sake of time, I want to, we, we talked about your, your professional career already, but so you played in Israel, Portugal, Switzerland, Turkey. Is that all? that all for um pretty much yes yeah. okay so yeah. what which country was your like your best just overall experience oh i would say israel for overall experience just because the majority of people spoke english oh, okay. <laughs> so <everywhere> I went. <laughs> because I, I started out portugal then turkey and then yeah. in portugal not a lot of people spoke english and um turkey they kind of did, but in Israel, once I got to Israel my third year, I'm like, what? Oh, you speaking? Is that a Friday's over there? We- uh. So it, just for the like the culture, it was a lot of American restaurants, American people, all the people spoke English. So overall, just that was that was dope to me. And it was a lot of Americans over there. 
Like each team had two Americans. So we had all these men's team, all these women's team, and we just had a spot like every week. You know, everybody knew to meet at this spot. So it was cool as far as that. But competition-wise, Turkey. Turkey, that was um, – I didn't win a lot in Turkey because, because there were a lot of good teams. I had one really good season uh, where we made it to the final four of the Turkish Cup, um, upset the number one team in Turkey. Like, they are Galatasaray. They have this crazy dope soccer team, too. Uh, but when we beat them, that was, that was like, awesome. That was, that was the best competition over there for me. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's dope. Yeah. What do you think like the biggest difference is between, you know, college ball and professional? Oof, man, I would say well, besides them playing a little more dirty, <laughs> it was like I never had an injury in life until I went over to Europe to play. So they play dirty, they grab you, they undercut you. They do all this stuff, but I think um, just adjusting to the culture, really. And once once I adjusted to the culture, like I, I went to Israel three times, I went to Turkey three times. So the second time I went to both countries, I'm like, okay, I need to learn some of this language, even if it's the the hellos, goodbye, the money, the exchange of the money. You know, when they tell me at the cashier, hey, you owe this much money, I'm able to do that without getting played, but. Um, just learning the culture and then kind of the expectations. So they figure if you come in from the United States, then you know how to do everything. And every game, you're going to have 40 points and 20 rebounds. And they want that every time. Like, it was times <laughs> in Israel where coach wouldn't even speak to me after the game. Like, if we lose, and even if I had 35 and 15, he would walk right past me out the gym. Coach, keep walking like don't even acknowledge me so <laughs> i'm sensitive wow. so wow. i'm sitting in the back of the bus like hey he hate me he gonna cut me he gonna send me back home mm-hmm. or then it, the next game i'll do really good and he'll be like you get 15 rebounds this game i'll give you a hundred dollars after game. what i'm i get that for you in the first half which <laughs> out there <laughs> like russell westbrook <laughs> Right, exactly. And you know what? He would come through and do it. So, okay, if that's all you need for motivation, whether we win or lose, I'm going to make sure I get what you're expecting of me. So it was um, – college was more – I would say it was a little more fun as far as once I got to play and, and win and just the atmosphere, the college atmosphere was like probably the dopest experience of my life. Mm-hmm. The pro experience is a job. So – if you're not doing well, if you're not winning, I could do my job per se and get all these statistics. But if we don't win, they're looking for somebody else. So, it, you know, there was a season where they replaced me. They were just like, we're not winning. Your stats are okay. But, you know, we're going to bring in somebody else. We're going to bring somebody that's in the WNBA mm-hmm. and bring her to replace you. And, you know, they did. So it was, it went from being fun. And then when you don't get paid, I don't know if you guys, experience going overseas but they don't always pay you and if they do it's not always on time yeah they'll they'll owe you like if they owe you 10 g's for the month or something and the the due date for money come like the 15th and it's like the 17th like where's my money you have to call your agent and then they have to oh yeah and it's still happening to this day i still talk to people like these teams pay you when they want to when you're losing 
Sometimes even when you're winning too, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. it was a lot of up and down, but mostly ups for me overseas. Like I I loved the experience just being in these countries and traveling the world. Once again, not taking advantage of the moment. I could have taken so many pictures, but I was just kind of living in the moment. Like oh, when I come back next year, I'll take these pictures and stuff. I, young people. Take advantage of every, every situation, every moment. Do not assume it's always going to be another time. I'm serious. Like, you know, my mom is, she even that way now. Take pictures, take pictures, uh, take pictures. Take, okay, mom, I got you. And I'm thinking she's just doing too much. No, these memories, um, it's like major. I could be showing, you know, something on this thing right now. Hey, this is when we had workouts in the Black Sea. You know, preseason workouts, we run into the black sea, you know, stuff like this. It's, I don't have any picture memories. I have it up here, but a kid from the hood, you go back and do this clinic and say, hey, I was at the black sea and Turkey. You, you know what I'm saying? So take pictures. Take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, so, yeah. That's great advice. That's great advice. Man, I wish we could. Uh, continue we might have to do a part two i don't know really? but yeah really? part two well, next year early next year or something for sure <laughs> for sure i have we'll my coaching thing back. going i'll probably have yes. my gym my big okay. new basketball academy coming soon let's go um so yeah we definitely gotta get part two in spring let's let's go with the spring all right yeah totally right down totally down I like that um before we end let's do some quick hitters real quick Mm-hmm. Uh, to end the show uh, I'll take the first one so um, you pulling up to King Park um, you're a teenager college whatever you're playing a game of fives for let's see 10, 10 G's and you gotta choose four other people to run with you who's it who's it gonna be anybody anybody but like no, like NBA players, WNBA players, oh, just people that you know, <laughs> seen around the way, played against maybe. Um, yeah. Oh, some Grand Rapids people. First one, but not Colton. With the shorts. Oh man, let me see. Well, I'm I'm taking my brother first. I got Ronnie Tompkins. I got sugar mail. Come on now. Mm, you got a legend. I got sugar mail. Slingshot. Let me see. Man, a lot of people don't know. But this kid, Jermaine Carter. Y'all know Jay Carter? Man, he, he went to Creston. And he, he may have gotten in some trouble after high school. But this kid, his IQ, and he, I don't know why I'm calling him kid. Because he's probably early 40s right now. But mm. the best IQ in the city that... um Man, I take I'm taking Jay Carter with me. Okay. And then, ooh, we why y'all do me like this? Grand <laughs> uh, Rapids people, They're like why you didn't say me? Man, I'm taking my niece Acer. Man, she a bucket. Okay, bucket man. It's me and Acer got the back court over there. <laughs> Mel got my big bro, and I got Jay Carter. Yeah. Okay. All right. Off the top, that's my like guy. <laughs> So, squad. Right, one more. We got uh, NBA Mount Rushmore. Who you got on there? That's five people on there. 
Four. Four. <laughs> four. Oh, four. Um, let me see. I got AI. I got MJ. I got Chuck. Charles Barkley. Ooh. Man, I got Shaq. Man. I got Shaq. Shaq. That's, that's what I got. I'm old school. These new school guys are cool, but they ain't they ain't put in enough time yet. Okay. They ain't put in <laughs> enough time yet. So yeah. I'm rolling with them. That's yeah, fair. Shaq, uh, 2000. That was like the first NBA finals that I literally sat down and watched from beginning uh, to end. Um, I was like 10 years old, so I was super young. Oh, wow. Um, like I remember like the Jordan finals. Just going mm-hmm. back and forth, kind of watch, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. 2000 finals, I remember. Yeah. Um, I remember the game when, you know, Shaq got in foul trouble. Kobe took over, started, you know, doing mm-hmm. the. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That, that era, Shaq was some of the, probably the best man. basketball player I've ever seen, man. Like, man. Most Total dominance. dominance. Yeah. Shaq, and that's real what's talk. hard with me, that. With the between Kobe and uh, AI on there, because that's oof. they yeah. both, both so impactful, man. But yeah, sure. AI Different just ways. that grit about him. Yeah, yeah, I used to love watching AI. It was, yeah. I think everybody did. But but Shaq though, I mean, if he wanted it real tall, he could have shut down the the goat conversation. Oh. If, oh, he, if he really wanted it, oh, easily. Easily, I agree on that. Yeah, all the way down. Yeah. All right, Nikki. Yo, I appreciate you. We appreciate you so much uh, for for spending, you know, about an hour with us today. Um, It's been amazing learning about you. We've always, you know, known about you and and the stuff that you've done, but um, to know even more and to really learn your story um, has definitely been a blessing to us. and you're a blessing to the community. Keep doing what you're doing. We've seen you firsthand, you know, interacting, uh, you know, with kids and coaching and all that stuff, too. So uh, you're an amazing person. Uh, and I think I speak, you know, um, between me and Josh, like we we look up to you. Um, so we I just wanted to, to let you know that for sure. Hey, yeah. Hey, you guys. <laughs> I have bragged about you guys too, just being like, just stand up gentlemen and your love for Christ, being dope hoopers on top of that. You don't see that often. And it's genuine from you guys. I've never seen anything just seen for So, man, I, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate what you're doing. Um, I'm excited to see what you're going to do um, with the chosen ones. And uh, we got to play a game of sevens one time for the one time. Yeah. Three of us. Just, That's true. <laughs> just trust us. Left hand, you know. Yeah, man. I already know I'm taking the L. I got to stop. Yeah, I got to stop running. You know what I mean? <laughs> man, I appreciate y'all so much for just thinking of me and, and having me on here. And this this is dope, man. I, I hope that uh, a lot of young people hear this and uh, it gives uh, what's missing. Yeah, likewise. So, Yep. Anything, yep. Jay? Man, loved having you on. Next time in the spring. For sure. Yes, Part sir. Until then. For yep. sure. I got to do it big. All right, <laughs> man. Y'all big. stay tuned. Um, part two coming soon with Big Nick. Uh, we appreciate having uh, Nikki Tompkins on with us. It's Wes and Josh. It's the chosen ones. We'll see y'all next time. Mm-hmm.